company. It's Monday, and what a crazy day it has been in the world of football, in the world of cricket. And you drive the agenda here today. Don't forget, you can text away 0433981116. Temper a mattress like no other if you wish. Or you can also give us a call as well on the open line. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Get in touch with us. So, the Gold Coast Suns, asleep at the wheel? Or is it really worth all the hoopla, Hugh Greenwood? So for those who don't know, Hugh Greenwood is now with North Melbourne. Delisted by the Gold Coast Suns, bizarrely. And while they expected to relist him, North Melbourne said, hmm, he's available. They grabbed him. North Melbourne fans, I want to get your opinion today. one 736 736 have you struck pay dirt or zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen? Paddy Mills had a day out for the Brooklyn Nets, twenty nine points in a franchise nine three pointers. Amazing. Josh Giddy was in the opposition, as of course the Brooklyn Nets got the job done. It's been a big day, and we've woken up this morning. If you listened, it was great, and I'm talking about Australia. T20 World Cup champions, and there is a load of celebration videos doing the rounds, of course, on the social media. Jared Whateley, Sam Hargraves, also Darren Berry, and Damien Fleming called the action. I was glued to it. A remarkable job, a remarkable performance by Australia, and this is the winning moment. From Jared Whiteley on SEN. Southie in, bowls to Maxwell, reverse for the boundary. Look at him go. Australia wins its first T20 World (laughs) Cup. Mitch Marsh is on a lap of honour. He's thrown away the helmet, tossed the bat, and he's running round madly in Dubai. A chase of brute force. It was brute force. It was a remarkable campaign. He was dropped for one game and then they realised the error of their ways. He is a number three. And the question is now asked of all of you out there this morning, uh, this afternoon from this morning's exploits, 1-300-736-736. Mitch Marsh, Ashes, is there a spot? The way he's hitting that ball, do we suggest that maybe his red ball career is still alive? Let us know, one three hundred seven three six seven three six, or text away on the temper text machine zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. Hey, Paul's online. He would like to give us a call. It could be about Hugh Greenwood and Gold Coast and North Melbourne, or it could be about Australia's exports. G'day, Paul. G'day, guys. Yeah, um, I'm not a North Fan or a Tigers fan, but I've always loved Hugh Greenwood, and I can't believe they've let that bloke go. He's hard as a cat's head, and and had so much to them and would have given them everything they needed. And you sleep at the wheel of spot on, mate. They've let go again. Yeah, they have. And I think if they had their time over again, I think Wayne Campbell said in drive, uh, yes, 100%, they would have done things very differently. It, he's an interesting one, Hugh Greenwood. He's had a couple of little twists in his journey, uh, Paul, and it's a good call. Thank you. And if you'd like to join in the call, give us a call, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Because I remember when he signed a, a contract with the Perth Wildcats coming out of college in the States to play in the NBL. He never suited up. 
He never got on court for the Wildcats because he wanted to live the dream of being an AFL footballer and he signed with the Adelaide Crows. He gave great service to them. Of course, he played in a grand final and, uh, yeah, exactly right. He's now found himself to North Melbourne. They have swooped North Melbourne and he is hard, hard, hard. Uh, Greg from Richmond, uh, he's online. He wants to talk about Hugh Greenwood. He's uh, a North supporter's uh, perspective in regards to this uh, recruiting coup, you can call it. G'day, Greg. G'day, how are you going? Yes, are you a North uh, fan, a, a Richmond fan? Are you a Gold Coast fan or are you just a footy fan? No, no, I'm a North uh, North member, supporter, um, with two kids obviously, who are North supporters as well. Um, and yeah, I just, you know, I just wanted to, I'm not across the, um, the decision to recruit Hugh Greenwood. I think we've probably paid too much for him. I don't know what the exact numbers are, but I think he got a three-year deal, which uh, is more than what Gold Coast were going to offer him. And the fact that they, they didn't really delist him, they just they mucked that up. But, um, yeah, I don't think it worked for us with Jared Pollock, and I don't think it's going to work for us with Hugh Greenwood. Wow, okay. There you go. There's Greg from Richmond. He's a North Melbourne fan and thinks you might have paid overs for Hugh Greenwood. I don't, Mitch Cleary, uh, we'll hear from him. He spoke on Drive, on 1116 SEN Drive, about the whole format. He broke the story in regards to uh, North Melbourne swooping in as they, well, they delisted him, so to speak, took him off contract. He made uh, noise about that. And then all of a sudden, it was a bizarre moment where he said, no, no, I'm always here. I'm, I'm, I'm fine. I'm not going anywhere. I'm happy to be clickbait. And obviously North Melbourne knew something. David Noble knew something, of course, from their connection at the Adelaide Crows. And they went in. He'll be handy at North Melbourne. I think he's more suited to North Melbourne than the Gold Coast Suns. And I know everyone's going to say that the Gold Coast Suns are a young, up-and-coming group. But they've been young and up-and-coming since I've been in short pants. It's about time they absolutely delivered. What do you think of that? one three hundred seven three six seven three six? A lot of people believe that um, it frees up substantial money to to keep Rankin and Lacocious and King and the like. I'm not sure. I mean, 400000 you know, it's nice money. It's not to be sneezed at, and we'd all like to be yearning $400,000. But I'm not sure that's going to make or break their recruiting and their retention policy at the, at the Gold Coast Suns. Um, what do you think of that? Give us a call, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. George is in Northcote. He wants to talk about Hugh Greenway. G'day, George. Yeah, g'day. Uh, look, a good get, a good get, handy player for Adelaide Crows. I don't think he will end up being a Jared Lyons, so to speak, outcome, but nevertheless, he'll be a very handy player. I don't think in terms of um, cap space for signing of the three or four players that you mentioned, the young guns, only because he still had two years of his deal to go. So that's in the contract and it's part of their overall strategy. Um but like you said, you know, he he came out and said, you know, he understands in today's footy world, that's what you got to do to help out a club. Um, and then I think, I guess, from his perspective, he, you know, his connections, as you said, and he had um, an extra year, which I think guarantees him. And, and that's, you know, clubs are going to be very careful going forward that when they do these manoeuvres, um, which happens a lot um, this time of the year, that... Um, you know, they could, they could have someone um, come and poach them, a bit like, I think, Timmy Watson uh, back, in, back in the day. Yeah, look, it's an interesting call you make, George, and thank you. George has given us a call on the open line, one three hundred seven three six seven three six, and you can join in as well. We'll get to Mark's call in a moment. Uh, the thing is, there must be somewhere inside 
Hugh Greenwood, that he'd be saying, why was I the player that you wanted to delist or take off the list for your recruiting strategy? Why was I the player that, you know, and whether it be financial or whether it be structural, where did he, where did he genuinely think he sat in the scheme of things at the Gold Coast Suns? Because if the Gold Coast Suns are now disappointed or angry or embarrassed by their stuff-up, and it is a stuff-up, thinking that we're going to get him back, and North Melbourne, David Noble, shrewd man, shrewd behind-the-scenes man, as much as he's going to be a very good coach, uh, of course, in his own right at senior level, the writings on the wall, North Melbourne, are, are tracking in the right direction. And they sniffed out the opportunity. And he probably said, mate, how about we throw in an extra year for you and you can come back to Mel- you can come to Melbourne town and you can and really feel like you're in the footy culture of Melbourne. Hugh Greenwood would have been crazy not to accept. And he probably thought, well, you know what? Gold Coast weren't hell-bent on keeping me locked away because I was a part of their recruiting strategy. And they got caught with their pants down. Mark's in Bacchus Marsh. He'd like to talk about the Gold Coast options in regards to this. G'day, Mark. Goss, my man. How you going, dude? Yeah, good, mate. Good, mate. Mate, that opens up options for Gold Coast as well because, you know, a lot of players were delisted. So you've got that whole rookie sort of draft later on. For example, with the Western Bulldogs, we let go uh, Will Hayes. Now, Will Hayes was delisted. And um, son of the uh, horsey, the, the great horse trainer. And um, he's a great player. I thought he was going to be a keeper. I thought he'd make the senior list and be a regular player. Now, there's so opportunities for players like Will Hayes. And when I look through the, the listings of all the clubs, you know, you got West Coast, got Brendan Archie, Brandon Ainsworth, the uh, listed. You go through all the teams and they've delisted. And there's a few good players there that might have potential. So, it's not all over, and they'll probably get them for minimum chips. Um, and who wouldn't want to go live up the Gold Coast? You've got all the girls, you've got the great weather, and it's not cold in winter, so why not? Yeah, yeah but that's, not, that's a nice attraction, but they're not winning games of footy. Um, they've just got to hang on to the ones that they've got, the kids that they've got, and they've got, they've got the basics. But if they don't start winning soon, they're, they're just gonna, the bottom's going to fall out of them. This is a bad day for Gold Coast, and they can spin it all they like. Uh, and thank you, Mark, for your call. They can spin it all they like. They, they have... Stuffed it here. And if they really, really looked at it, Hugh Greenwood is a midfield bull. I mean, I think he was second in tackles only behind Took Miller and they only played 15 games last year because of injury. Hugh Greenwood very much in their best 22 and would be a wonderful uh, mentor and take a lot of the heat out of their midfield to allow their, their, their rising stars to probably get some free space um, it's not a good look, and uh, I think Wayne Campbell uh, spoke uh, not that long ago in regards to they would have done things differently, but unfortunately, and as everyone says, they think it's a big mistake. Uh, Goss, uh, this is on the text line, the temper text. Goss, we're, yes, put Marsh in the test team and share the bowling workload. Stark and Cummings, the nice batsman, also says Kevin. It's an interesting one, isn't it? Because I was listening to Damien Fleming and I think or Darren Berry in the commentary last night, and they reckon we're fast bowler top heavy. Marsh and Cameron Green can bowl. You need two speedsters. Or if you only want to have one, you play Swepson along with Lyon. And you've, you've boosted your batting stocks. You've got Marsh and Green. Uh, Cummins can bat. Um, you know, 
you're probably a bit weak down the very bottom with, with Schweppes and um, you, whether you play um, Hazelwood and not Stark. So your combination is going to change through the Ashes. So the, the question is, are we getting overexcited with Mitch Marsh? And I know a lot of you are texting away saying, oh, well, he's been given ample opportunity. 100%, 100% he's been given a lot of opportunities at test level. And it hasn't always performed at the peak of his powers at test level. But he's in a different zone right now to nearly every other cricketer in the world. He focused on the white ball game. And I know the ball comes out differently and the run chases are different. And, but the way he's striking the ball suggests if you were Justin Langer, George Bailey, Tony Dottomate in the select, you say to him, we're going to play your six and you're going to bat six and we want you to take the opportunities like you did in the World Cup T20 competition. And he did the same in Bangladesh. And he did the same in the West Indies. He was a positive right through the, the preview, uh, the, uh, the pre-tournaments campaigns, albeit Australia lost eight of 10 games in the West Indies and Bangladesh prior to this tournament and prior to the World Cup. Came in seventh ranked. Marsh made a heck of a difference. You say to Mitch Marsh, and let me tell you, Mitch Marsh has got a lot better in life than he did when he was as an all-rounder. He was on social media. He was worried about the pressures. I spoke with Sean Marsh earlier today on uh, Breakfast in Perth on SENWA. We're going to play that interview a little later. I want you to hear Sean Marsh like I've never heard him. I know Sean and and Mitch and and his sister Mel and, and Jeff for a long time. And Sean struggles to speak about himself and the pressure that he's been under and his failings or his positives. He hates talking about himself. But if you want to hear a brother so proud of where his other brother, where his brother has come from, let me tell you, stay with us on Time On. Stay with us in the next hour on Sporting Capital as well. Uh, let's go to the calls. I'll get through it. Uh, Jason in Peronia wants to talk about Hugh Greenwood. G'day, Jason. G'day, Gus. How are we, mate? Um, noble. Absolutely brilliant, isn't he? He yeah. works both sides, works the inside off the center coaching gig. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I, I tell you what, he just, I'm a Liverpool supporter, so I just compare him to Klopp at the moment. Um, we've, we, everyone, the previous North call that rang up and said, oh, it's another Pollack. Um, you brought it up. The guy's a tackling machine. He's not the quickest bloke in, on going around, but he's, he, he just, he's just a bull around stoppages. Now his tackles, his disposal for a year and a half until he did his knee was up the top of the Suns and it was in the top 10 last season, I think, of the AFL as well. Now, we recruited a lot of young kids last year. We're bringing in another young kid in um, on Francis or Francis Horn. Um, but these guys are still kids. They're still 18, they're still 19, they're still 20. They're still not up to their, their big weight where they're going to be able to throw the opposition around. So having, as you said, having these big bodies in the middle these kids are going to get their 10, 15 minutes, run through the midfield every game, learn the craft, bulk up slowly, and they're not going to be targets. They're, they're going to learn the craft and they're going to be protected. Now, three-year deal, he was a mature-age recruit, so he's still got footy left in him. Yep. And in that three years, the kids below him are going to get stronger, they're going to learn more, and they're going to start playing more game time when they're ready to. I think it's a brilliant move. Yeah, it's a good call. Good on you, Jace. Yeah, I think that seems to be the general consensus. And everyone's oh, look, he's not, he's not an A-grader. 
don't get me wrong. He's, he's not he's not the absolute A-grader and this is the greatest recruit and coup of all time. That's not what this is about. This is a bloke that will add so much to North Melbourne because of the style of football that he uh, will bring. And that's what they want, some midfield grunt. Because Zeebel's not giving it to you because his, his best days are gone and he's gone down back and, you know, those days are gone for him. So I don't – and age is just a number. For me, Hugh Greenwood has got three really big years left in, in, in that body. If his knee stands up, he's going to do some serious midfield damage. Uh, look, a lot, a lot, a lot of texts coming in in regards to all of the issues on the show so far in regards to Hugh Greenwood, North Melbourne, Gold Coast, Mitch Marsh. We'll get to you all in a moment. We'll get a break away. We'll come back to Ben who wants to talk about it as well. Uh, or, anyone else, if you want to join in, time on. Simon from Oakley South, we'll get to you as well. Give us a call, one 736 736 or the temper text is going gangbusters tonight on Monday night, 0433981116. Tim Gossage in the chair. This is Time On on SEN. Not Sammy having a well-deserved break. Tim Gossage in the chair for this Monday. Thanks for your company. one three hundred seven three six seven three six or text away zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. Still to come, we'll hear from Sean Marsh on Brother Mitch, and Adam Gilchrist will join us in the second hour. He will also talk about Justin Langer and what this means for Australia and the Ashes. Let's go back to your calls because the Hugh Greenwood move from the Gold Coast to North Melbourne has got everyone up and about. Ben is in Bandura. He wants to talk about the Gold Coast head office. G'day, Ben. G'day, Tim. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I'm looking at it as if I was a Gold Coast supporter, right? And right now, I'd be sitting back thinking, who's running my club? Because let me let me go through this. Jack Martin walks out of the club. They didn't even get anything for him. Jared Lyon, delisted, wasn't good enough to play at Gold Coast, and he's a very good player. And now Hugh Greenwood. It's got this groundhog feel about it. And you've got to say, we're paying... As a Gold Coast supporter, you're giving up something to get these players in, and they're just walking out for free. And this is the AFL's team. So even Gil's got to be thinking, who've I got up there running this club? Yeah, this is not the... I get it, Ben. I get it. But don't forget, this, this strategy of delisting and relisting players is not new. I think every club has done it in some format. This is... More to the point, David Noble and North Melbourne's list managers being, and I've seen this word pop up on the text, shrewd, calculated and quick. I, I, don't, think, I don't think if you look at it, Gold Coast have done anything wrong, but they've, been, they've just put a player at risk with a connection to an AFL coach at another club, and it tumbled quickly. Sam Edmund, thank you for your call, Jase. I, I understand. There's gonna, look, there's going to be fallout from this, and it, it's not, you know, I'm not for one minute saying that what they've done, uh, you, you let them off the hook if you're a Gold Coast Sun supporter. And it, does, it doesn't look good, but I don't think they're the first club to have done it. And I just think, I think the player, the wrong player was put up on the, on the re-list and D-list, but probably there were structural and financial reasons for it. Sam Edmund keeps this simple. Sam Edmund, of course, from SEN, the Hugh Greenwood timeline, he's posted this on his, on his Twitter, and it makes simple sense. Have a listen to this. On Thursday, Greenwood was happy to assist the Suns' list strategy. So he was agreeing with this. He might not, he might publicly, he might have been going, mm, a bit strange, but anyway... Saturday, he receives a two-year offer from North Melbourne. This is after he was contacted on the Friday. Sunday, 
Hugh Greenwood thinks about it and decides to accept the two-year offer from North. And today he agrees with North Melbourne. And as Sam Edmund and I agree, incredible, why did the Suns choose to temporarily delist a best 22 regular? There you go. It's a good call. Hey, uh, let's go to the callers again. Simon's in Oakley South, uh, North Melbourne, getting Greenwood is uh, a big part of the show here on Time On. G'day, Simon. Hey, guys. I oh, mean, I'm stoked. It's, it's like for David Noble to, to identify someone that, that, that he wanted, like he's not, he's not the best player in the land, but and he doesn't, it seems like he doesn't fit a, like the, the age profile of, of the list, but he's got, he's got two, three, four years in him that he can help to, to develop the, 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 the guys. I, I, think it's, I think it's fantastic. One other thing I need to pull you up on, though, please, Jack Zeeble, he said he said he's like he's past it. Man, he just had he just had the most fantastic year down back, um, and he's he's a gun there. North's going places, and you know I reckon even with, with with Greenwood being thirty, he can be part of our next premiership. Um, and and Jace, the previous call up, yep, agree with everything that he was saying too. Simon, so, I didn't say Jack. When I, I do apologise if it came across the way that I said Jack Zebel was past it. He's past it as a midfielder because his body can't deal with playing in the midfield. There's a difference between playing half back and a defender, running defender, as opposed to being. Uh, and we're going to see that with Nat Fife because I think Nat Fife's days as a bull midfielder are almost over as well due to his ongoing shoulder complaints. Uh, good calls. All great calls. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Now, in regards to Mitch Marsh being in the Australian team, I knew it was only going to be a matter of time on the temper text. No more West Aussie marshmallows. Oh, dear, dear. Jack marshmallows, get it? Uh, We'll hear from uh, Sean Marsh a little bit later. Wayne Campbell, of course, he's only new in the job at the Gold Coast Suns. He spoke on SEN Drive uh, not that long ago in regards to the Hugh Greenwood situation. Here is Campbell. We made a decision as a list management committee about a week, seven, uh, 14 days ago to delist a couple of uh, current players in Hugh Greenwood, Jez McLennan and Rory Thompson. Um, with a view to, to, to drafting them back in, uh, in either the national draft or the rookie draft or the pre-season draft. Uh, all three players are across that. We, we, we're aware that you know, there, there was the potential for this to happen, but we thought we chose the players um, that other clubs potentially would pass on, given given you know, circumstance. And Hugh was one of those, being a you know a 30 year old, so um, with a year to go on his contract here. So um, when it came through yesterday that North Melbourne had made him a pretty good offer, we um, or a very good offer, um, we, we got in touch with Hugh and. We've had a chat to him over the last 24 hours, and um, and, he, and he goes with our blessing. It, it wasn't what we planned it to be. Um, we wanted Hugh to play next year, and then you know potentially the year after, and, and help develop our young midfield. But um, we also feel on the on the flip side that we do have a a young, talented midfield that's that's ready to go at the same time. So whilst we we didn't plan for this to happen uh, by any stretch, mm. uh, Hugh goes with our absolute best wishes, and we feel like we've got a pretty good midfield that can that can stand up uh, in 2022. Wayne Campbell on drive. Hugh Greenwood's tweet three days ago. Still on the primary list. Still on the same contract. Still being medically cleared to train and play for over a month. Still at the Suns. Still see everyone round one. Was happy to cop the odd clickbait article and social nuff if it meant assisting the club's overall list strategy. Quote, was happy to cop the odd clickbait article and social nuff if it meant assisting the club's overall list strategy. Has Hugh Greenwood done the dirty on the Gold Coast Suns? 
when you read that and listen to that? Happy to do it if it meant assisting the club's overall list strategy. And then the um, shaka was that when you stick a finger out and a thumb up. Reads differently, doesn't it? Zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. And then the phone rang. And then he ends up signing a two-year deal, uh, contract extension, three years or should be, at, uh, at North Melbourne. Does that change things at all? Not too far away, we're going to take a break, but we do want to hear after that from Sean Marsh. He spoke this morning on SENWA about his brother. There's that on the way uh, still to come. And Kane Corns had this to say this morning on Liam Jones. Of course, Liam Jones has retired. He, uh, for personal reasons, has decided he doesn't want to be vaccinated. There's other players who are uneasy with all of this. Do you have an opinion on that? But here is Kane Corns and his thoughts on the Liam Jones retirement situation. But also the AFL Players Association's role in this. Zero. They have said zero. So from when Van Hagen and the story came out about her, all that Paul Marsh and the AFL Players Association had said is we need to respect the privacy of these athletes. That's all they've said. They're paid by the players to be advocates for them. Was there any other option for Liam Jones? Now, I don't know. As Brad Lloyd said, he was pretty steadfast and pretty strong on his decision and then there's factors behind that and maybe he was... But I, I would love for Paul Marsh to be doing the media rounds this morning. I mean, he, he works for those players. What what other options did Liam have? How involved did they get? Why haven't they spoken? Um, you know, what is the role of a player who gets tested positive throughout the year? There's a, there's a whole heap of things that the AFL Players Association should be speaking about this morning. Tim Gossage in the chair for Sammy. Did a great job in the SEN commentary box and uh, enjoyed his commentary with Chuck Berry and, of course, in the final with Jared Wadley and also Damien Fleming. Speaking of cricket, there is a Marsh Cup one-dayer, a day-nighter at the Gabba being staged today. It is Queensland hosting Western Australia. WA off their 50 overs, three for 361. What? Three for 361. Cameron Bancroft, remember him? 124 not out. Ashton Turner, 71 not out. Cameron Green, 70. Philippi, 45. And Hobson, 33. They all got amongst it. Cameron Bancroft, 124 not out. Let's go back to the calls. Andy's on the road, wants to talk about the Liam Jones situation before we hear hear from Sean Marsh. G'day, Andy. Hey, how you going? Going well. You'd like to talk about Liam Jones' decision. Yeah. Yeah, I just want to talk about the... I don't think the Players Association um, can do anything at the moment. I think he's being uh, Kane's being a bit harsh because right now it's a state law thing, not a um, not a anything to do with the Players Association. But the thing where I reckon it could get messy is if you look at, I believe New South Wales at some point in December or something are going to change a law eventually where that 10% of people that aren't vaccinated can do everything that the vaccinated people can. And one day, if that does happen here in Victoria, say, next season, and technically he would have been eligible to play then, then maybe it could get messy because he could be entitled to compensation because he could be able to play then if we're letting unvaccinated people play at some point, which we probably will eventually. Yeah, the difference, the interesting part of this, Andy, is that Liam Jones has, he's not going to fight the fight. He doesn't want to fight the fight. He has just retired. 
Now, I don't know uh, whether, and again, I'm not, I'm not privy to any of this, and I'm not too sure all of us are. I think Carlton would be, and, and Liam would know, and his management would know that, you know, he could, they could have actually just sort of kept him on their list, said, well, okay, let's have a think about it, where are we going to go? But he's hell-bent on saying, for personal reasons, I'm not going down this line whatsoever. And if the AFL says, well, you've got to be double vaccinated and otherwise all, and all that goes for all staff as well, otherwise you're not part of the AFL system. Uh, he's obviously hell-bent on for personal reasons, whether they be medical or whether they just be uh, uh, personal for another reason, decided that that's not for him and he's not going to fight the fight, so he's going to retire. So you're right. Uh, he's, I'm not convinced um, that he's going to have too many legs to stand on in regards to fighting for some sort of financial return for this. Question B, yeah, I saw a lot of people saying, oh, he'll be right, he'll go off and make good money somewhere else playing in another you know, footy system. Not so sure he will, and he's certainly not going to be making the money that he'd be making for that one year to run at Carlton. But as we always say, that everyone has a, a choice to make, and he's made that choice. Um, and I'm, I'm, I believe in double vaccination, one hundred percent. And I live in a state which are pretty lax at the moment with getting their numbers up, and that's proving very, very difficult to accept if you're a, a an expat West Australian trying to get into. Uh, Western Australia, I know there's a lot of ex-Pat West Aussies who are my friends involved in the media who are very vocal in regards to what's happening over there in Perth. But anyway, this is a little bit different. We wish Liam Jones all the very best. It is a very, very big decision. Um, uh, yes, uh, I agree. Michael, on the text, Candace didn't miss anybody on Twitter bagging David for his form, correct? She put out a tweet saying, out of form, with a Google Eye emoji or something along those lines. I get it, and... He who last, 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 loudest. But I will say this, uh, Michael, Candace was very quiet when David couldn't hit it off the square. But again, he does get the last laugh and he was a very, very significant player. Uh, Dean says, why wouldn't Australian cricket selectors give Mitch Marsh the Perth test in front of his home crowd and family? Imagine 100,000 for Australia against England. Well, there's no guarantee that test match is going to go ahead in the true form, but it's looking more likely than it was probably a week ago. Uh, and someone has also te- texted you on Tim, come on, WA. Yeah, I agree. Hurry up. Um, someone on the text says that Liam Jones can become a parliamentarian and not have to be vaxxed. There's good money in that. Very good point. He'll find his way. Don't worry about that. Liam Jones will find his way. Well, it's all about Mitch Marsh. It's all about Dave Warner. It's all about Australia. They are the World Cup T20 champions. They did it half rat power, to be brutally honest. They chased down the New Zealand cha- uh, Target of 173, despite the exploits of the Kiwi captain in Kane Williamson. This morning on Radio SENWA on the Gillian Goss Show, Georgie Parker was my co-host, and we had a quick chat to Sean Marsh. Now, for those who've heard Sean speak in the past, he's, he's, he's not the most eloquent of speakers, but he does struggle to talk about himself, and often when he's talking, it is about people ganging up and, and piling in on him and, and the Marsh name and his form and opportunities he's been given. You're about to hear a very different Sean Marsh, how proud he was of his brother's exploits over there at the T20 World Cup. Here's Sean Marsh from SENWA Gillian Goss this morning. Alongside me is Georgie Parker. Marsh That's Jones, okay. Big. That's big. That is mighty. Almost into the third tier. He's in red hot form. He is swinging the bat harder than I've seen a player do so. He is kitchen sink batting, and that is his half century. 
53 for Mitch Marsh. It was a stunning performance by Mitch Marsh to lead Australia to victory for their first World T20. And I'm sure one very proud brother was up in the early hours watching it. Sean Marsh, appreciate your time, mate. You must be incredibly uh, proud of what you've watched and of of his entire tournament. Yeah, g'day guys. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, um, unbelievable night, guys. Um, you know, like I said, I'm just so proud of him. Um, you know, he, he certainly deserves this with all the hard work that he's put in, and um, to put that performance in a, in a T20 World Cup final was just unbelievable. So, yeah, family's really proud of him, mate, and um, hopefully, well, I know he's celebrating pretty well at the moment. So. Um, yeah, great night. Uh, have you had any contact with him at all? And you know, did you send a, send a message or speak to him directly? And uh, is, is it much emotion in this, or is it just a, just some absolute distinct satisfaction? I think there's a bit of both, uh, to be honest. Um, you know, I think um, Mitch is. You know, um, over the last probably six months, really found his um, niche in this T20 team, and um, you know we've seen the performances over in the West Indies and Bangladesh, and to come out and do it in a World Cup uh, final now to get the boys over the line was was unbelievable. And um, you know, I, I just got off the phone to him about five minutes before you guys had uh, rung up, and um, he's certainly celebrating uh, very well with his teammates at the moment. Um, I'm pretty sure they've got a flight to catch um, over there in the morning, so it could be an interesting flight on the way home. But um, like I said, I'm just super proud of him, and um, like I said, he really deserves this. Well, the key is you can't get hungover if you don't go to bed. But what was the um, <laughs> what was the, the family group chat like? Was it going absolutely mental? I can imagine you would have been going messages between you and your family all night. Yeah, yeah, it certainly was. Um, you know, we've, we've got a, f- a family group chat, and uh, between myself, Dak, and mum and dad, my sister, and, and Mitch's uh, fiance Greta, it was going absolutely off. Especially <laughs> when he, especially when he started whacking sixes left, right, and centre. Um, there was pictures of um, of a, the bison coming up every um, every second message, and um, yeah, look, it was just great, great for the family, but great for Mitch and. Um, yeah, just a bloody good night. <laughs> and he spoke a couple of years ago saying Every, most people in Australia hate me. Do you think that that attitude will change from Australian? Do you think that Mitch probably, you know, feels as though Australia's proud of him now, which you don't do it for other people, you do it for yourself, but do you think that yeah, you might yeah. have a different feeling from Australia now? Look, I'd like to think so. And I, I, you know, when Mitch did say that, uh, there was a fair bit of tongue-in-cheek about it. Yeah, but, um, obviously, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, but, yeah, but you, you know Mitch, um, he's a lovable person. Um, you know, Yeah, he is. He's just a really uh, sensitive bloke and, um, yeah, he loves his teammates. He's a great team man. And hopefully... Um, there's a lot of Australians out there this morning that have woken up that are really proud of him. So they should be. Um, and what about... JL, he's one who's backed him in, gave him that focus, said we're going to bat you at three. They dropped him midway through this tournament, which they've admitted was a mistake. Um, there's a fair bit of satisfaction today for a couple of besieged names of WA and Australian cricket in Marsh and Langer at the moment. You must be also incredibly proud for JL. Yeah, gosh, I certainly am, mate. You know, I, know, I know JL very well, and um, I know um, the amount of pressure that he's probably been under. I'm warranted as well, to be honest. Um mm. But uh, for him to come out and get the boys uh, to gel as well as they have done over this tournament um, is a credit to him and his coaching staff. And 
um, you know, only uh, it only bodes well now for for a really good Ashes series, I reckon. And I know we've got you on here to chat about your brother, but it'd be remiss of us to not ask you, how's your calf? You know, when you're getting calf injuries, you get a bit of grief from the younger <laughs> players in your team. Is it all right? Yeah, look, the dodgy calf. I've, I've never really done a calf before, so... Um, yeah, they were getting stuck into me saying it's an old man's injury. Yeah, so. it's the best. Um, <laughs> All the young ones say it, and then you start doing it yourself. You wonder, oh, God, yeah, was I, I this annoying brat when I was 21? <laughs> um, yeah, look, it's it's going pretty well. It's, um, yeah, I was pretty sore there for a few days. Uh, hopefully it's only like a four- to six-week injury, and um, I can get back out there for... Um, um, yeah, for the big bash, I'll probably miss a few of the early games, but um, yeah, look, hopefully, to, uh, looking to get over to Melbourne at some stage and taking part in the big bash, and yeah, obviously a bit frustrating with it all, but um, that's part of sport sometimes. Yeah, I don't really care about your big bash if you're not playing for the Scorchers. You can be as injured, all, <laughs> you can be as injured, injured as all you like. Hey, hey, last one for you, just in regards to your brother. Just in regards to your brother. Yeah. There is now talk that he's in such good form and he hasn't played a lot of red ball cricket in recent times. As you mentioned, his focus has certainly been on the white ball game. But everyone is saying he's hitting the ball like he has never done so before. Do you think there is a chance we'll see him during the Ashes and do you think he's worth another go at that level? I definitely think so, guys. Like you said, the way that he's been hitting the ball um, over the last probably 12 months is, is as good as anyone else in the world. So, um, you know, I'd love to see Mitch get another opportunity at Test cricket, um, whether that be the first test or some sometime throughout the series. Um, I know that it, he'll, he'll be ready for it. Uh, you know, he's coming into his prime now and... Um, I know this um, tournament that he's played in now over the last few weeks uh, would have given him so much confidence. And mm. to come out and do it in the big stage last night like he did, um, I've got no doubt if he had another opportunity at test level, um, he'd be ready to go and grab it with both hands. Mate, well done. Well done to you, to the family. I'm going to just share something personal. Your beautiful sister, who I love very much, Melissa Mel Marsh. I messaged her at uh, some ungodly hour at uh, 1.17am and I said, how good is this? And these were her four responses. So close. Feel sick. Nervous. OMG. (laughs) That sort of sums up up the moment, didn't it? Bless Mel, yeah. She's um, she's a beautiful sister, a very caring sister, and she was as proud as anyone last night, so... Yeah, bloody good night, Goffey. Good on you. Well done. Celebrate hard as a family. You so you should, and we're so incredibly proud of what he's done. And the rest of Australia can, well, you can stick it up him. That's what I say. <laughs> hey, thanks, Shawnee. Good Absolutely. on your brother. Get well. Thanks, good on you, mate. Thanks, guys. Yeah, he is an absolute legend. Sean yep. Marsh, well done for getting me on there. 19 degrees. It's 5 to 8. We'll be back to wrap up. He bowls Warner in the air, over cover, out to four. Flated away. Marsh just unloads. <laughs> Over backwards, square leg, if you don't mind, off the first one he sees. Warner goes in a wide one, high, straight, six. He's the bully boy right now, Dave Warner. That's okay. That's big. That is mighty, almost into the third tier. He's in red hot form. He is swinging the bat harder than I've seen a player do so. Southie to Maxwell. That's shorter and that's straighter at the body. Maxwell takes on the man at deep backward square leg. And Maxwell beats the man at deep backward square. Six. Southie in. Bowls to Maxwell. Reverse for the boundary. Look at him go. Australia wins its first T20 World (laughs) Cup. Mitch Marsh is on a lap of honour.
<laughs> he's thrown away the helmet, tossed the bat, and he's running around madly in Dubai. A chase of brute force. And a team that wasn't rated coming in will lift the trophy and be the source of tremendous national pride. Australia win by eight wickets. And wouldn't you know it, Glenn Maxwell did it with a reverse. Yeah, that was great commentary by the boys, and well done. It was uh, gripping stuff, and uh, for those who weren't sitting in front of a TV, maybe had the pods in the years, trying to get some sleep, but also keeping one ear on that. We just saw then, uh, and you heard then, well done to, to, to Sammy Hargraves, to, to Jared Waitley, to Damien Fleming, and to Darren Berry for their commentary. And all, the entire build-up was exceptional on behalf of the SEN team. Great effort by the Aussies and Mitch Marsh. This is on the temper text, but there are others ahead of him in the red ball cricket and needs to make shield runs. Hope he can. I think batting five and bowling a few hours would be good for our test team. You're right. And, and we've got to remember, George Bailey did speak uh, on SEN earlier today and said, Mark, we're comparing apples with oranges in regards to T20. That's fine. For me, and I agree he's been given opportunities, but what I'm saying is that if the, the door opens and he goes and makes some shield runs, heaven help anyone who's... Uh, um, in his way because I've got a feeling that uh, the shackles are officially off and I'd love to see him back in the baggy green playing for Australia because I think they're just a better team with him in the team, not just uh, on the field but also off it. Uh, that one-day game, the Marsh Cup game at the Gabba, it's all about Marsh today. WA, of course, batting first and uh, they made three for 361 Cameron Bancroft with an unbeaten century. Queensland are in response and now one for 14 after four overs. The batsman out is Usman Kawaja. He has been dismissed cheaply. Manus Labashain is now at the crease. Gary and Tim this morning, they spoke to Aaron Finch, the captain of Australia. This was his, uh, well, almost some of his first thoughts after holding up the trophy. It was a, a pretty amazing night. The, well, it's been a whirlwind. It, <laughs> For, for everyone who have written us off so much before the tournament, that, that's a really special win. And, and to do it in the fashion that we did was was super special. It certainly was. If you haven't seen any of your socials, they walked out from the ground onto the team bus receiving uh, the drums and the tambourines and the dancing. Uh, they had a guard of honour leaving with the trophy. And uh, you have a look at Marcus Stoinis carrying on like a two-bob watch. Justin Langer letting his hair down as well. After the news, we will be chatting with Adam Gilchrist, one of the best mates of uh, Justin Langer, of course, and has been strong in his defence of Justin and his position as coach. But there will be those now who will, again, keep Langer on edge in regards to his uh, exploits in the Ashes. But you've got a feeling that uh, it's going to be hard to depose him as coach of the Australian cricket team because he's changed his ways after some hardcore meetings with the playing group. And, uh, well, he's done the job. They've done a remarkable job to win the T20 World Cup. And we'll find out whether Justin Langer can do the same in the ashes. Adam Gilchrist, Brent Costello, talking all things NBL. Your calls and your texts on the way after the news. This, this morning.